computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Welcome, everyone, to another Lakers Exceptionalism podcast. I am hosting for the day. I'm Tim. You know me as Cranjus McBasketball on Twitter. And with me, I have a small, small panel of Tom Z joining us as always. And then we are joined today by Alex Regla, who you may know from... uh, tweeting out WWE or, or I, I'm going to mix up I, some, some sort of wrestling or fighting gifts and, and writing on Twitter, uh, doing great work um, over at the Lakers SB Nation site and, and writing some of his own stuff as well. Is that all correct? Am I, am I up to speed on everything? It's uh, AEW, not WWE. AEW. So, yeah, okay. you got to get that right. <laughs> you're going gonna to make me use my, my street cred on here. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything else is, is spot on. All right, perfect. Today, uh, I'm going to be straight with everyone. The Dodgers are playing right now, and I don't care at all, but these two people do. So we're going to just, you know, get some quick hitters. And the Lakers have played one game so far this season. They lost. It looked a bit ugly. There were a lot of injuries contributing to some of the lineups we saw, some of the challenges we saw. But there were some things that heading into the year we were concerned about kind of hopeful wouldn't be the case, but ended up being the case. So we're going to go through and just play a little game of is Tim overreacting or not. Now, I don't truly believe every one of these statements I'm going to share, but I put together a list of statements that could be considered overreactions. And I'm going to just get the thoughts from each of you, whether you think it's an overreaction or not and and why. So off the start, we will go with, I'm just going to look through some random ones here. Uh, let's let's go to my bold prediction on the year. One of my bold predictions and say Kent Bazemore is now the team's fourth most important player, and he's going to get the fourth fourth most minutes this year. He like I the the thinking here is there's not a lot of defense on this team, especially right now, and he's one of the few guys that's not a star that the Lakers can rely upon. Alex, what are your thoughts? I think I agree. I think heading into the year, I probably would have said maybe Tht, um, not just because you know he'd be the fourth highest paid player, you know, all that good stuff. But after just one game and watching the preseason, I think it's pretty clear that Bazemore is probably going to be a guy that the team really counts on and is like needs him to be healthy more than almost any other player. If nothing else, his size on the wing, his defense has been, I think, a little better than I thought it would be. I mean, I haven't watched a lot of Warriors film of him last year, but he looks solid. Like he, I've been a Pressed with like his defense at the point of attack, especially against a guy like Steph Curry in that first game. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's pretty valid. Like if he goes down, I, I think it's harder to replace him than a guy like THT, for example. Mm-hmm. Tom, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mostly agree. I do think there is a small case to be made for Kendrick Nunn becoming an extremely important, important closing lineup player, but it would be kind of under different circumstances. You know, I think him and shooting the ball. If, if Bazemore does end up struggling despite the defensive uh, strengths, he's brought to the team so far playing Steph Curry. Great. Uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing a left con, I'm a little bit sad Panda on this one. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Alex, are you familiar with our, uh, so, 
<laughs> scoring system think, here yeah you gave me a little like heads up on that uh based on that yeah so you said it can be like an emoji an animal it, or something so right it can be it can be whatever you want and we're not gonna there's no scoring no real, real scoring scale <laughs> like yeah, it can be like a a e w if i'm getting the letters right yeah moment or something as well uh maybe like a shrug emoji i don't know <laughs> i think that's gonna be my okay. answer for almost all of these like I think at this point it's still hard to like, <laughs> yeah, like nail down something like after one game. But I, I think there are hints that like, you know what, this guy's probably gonna be more important than we thought he would be. Yeah, yeah. it's it's hard to have hardline stances right now. Yeah. Speaking of hardline stances, the next one, Malik Monk. His defense is so bad he should not be in the normal rotation once Wayne Ellington, Kendrick Nunn are back. Yes or no? We'll start with Tom. I mean, Wayne Ellington's not great. Uh, so, you know, to me, there's a difference in kind of what Malik Monk brings, at least on the offensive creation side, if you need it, I don't see this team really needing it that, that much, uh, unless he's shooting lights out, lights out like the preseason and Ellington, we saw him struggle. And if, if Ellington gets the Lakers curse and, and Monk is able to shake off that shooting curse, I feel a lot better about Monk being able to at least provide some consistent shooting. Um, what, I, I guess just don't play him with Mello, right, Tim? Yeah, I think that's a, that will be a part of it. It's it's He has weaknesses, but when you build weaknesses on weaknesses with some of these lineups, it just gets really bad really fast. You can spread out some of these guys on different lineups and it can be okay. Alex, going to you, Malik Monk, should he be benched as soon as the the health is there to allow it? No, but I I agree. The defense is worrisome. Um, Another guy, like that was his reputation coming in when he came into the Lakers. Like just, he's a microwave scorer and all that good stuff, but his defense, that's something you got to look out for. And uh, yeah, there was a few plays against the Warriors there. I was like, whoa, sheesh. I don't know what he's doing out there, (laughs) but uh, yeah, but I think um, Tom brought up a good point that like Ellington's not that much better. Although like, He's okay at some stuff, I guess. Um, but yeah, it all depends on who you play him with. Like you said, like I, if it's going to be him, Rondo, Mello, and Russ, maybe all out there at the same time, it's just going to be problematic. So I, they're going to need his shooting if, if it's legit. And if it was what we saw last year with Charlotte was legit. I think that dynamism he has on the floor um, is going to be something they're going to need at, at different points. And I, so I don't think we can rule him out just because of the defense, but I'm sure Vogel of all people, is going to keep like a really careful eye on him and going to pull him the second. It's just a problem. Okay. More shrugs on this one or what, what are our left con levels? Forgot to ask. Oh man. I, I'm not super worried. Yeah. Again, with Alex, none of these are going to be, it's all going to be middle ground. I think. Um, I mean, I would, if anywhere I'd lead more toward like two, cause yeah, I think this is who he is as a player. But, there, you know, it's one game. And I think there's some lineups where he's going to be able to take advantage in second unit guys uh, across the league and, and be able to succeed. I'm probably in the middle. Like, I, I, as long as he's supported by the right pieces, I think he'll be okay. But, like, come playoffs, I, th- I, I, I can see, yeah, he might be out of the rotation probably altogether. Mm-hmm. They're going to hunt him. I, I'm pretty clear about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever the scale is, Alex is in the middle of that scale. Yeah. All right. Next one, similar question here. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, he's he's bad. He's washed. He uh, mm-hmm. needs his minutes limited. And as soon as we get Trevor Ariza back, which would allow Anthony Davis to play more center and less power forward, the next, the, you know, the largest result from that is going to be DeAndre Jordan becoming a an emergency center rather than a rotation player. We'll start with Alex on this one. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. <laughs> 
after one game, I think that was all I needed early to see. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how it gets better. It's my thing. Like, I guess the matchup obviously is important. Like Golden State is probably a horrible matchup for DJ. And I think that context yep. is important for how he looked. But like that opening lob, that was his only field goal attempt. He didn't really protect the rim. Although he, again, he was helping trap Curry up top and stuff like that. So obviously he's not going to really be in the interior to, to come over and contest shots. So he was put in a situation where he wasn't going to look great probably against Golden State. But again, I, the athleticism, we can see the drop off there. Um, and really he's just, blocking his physical body is just blocking the paint and preventing ad from playing the five so yeah i think if ariza was healthy i i'd be a little shocked if dj was still the starter is probably where i'm at i mean is that what we're assuming though is this what we're assuming when when ariza's healthy they're starting ad at the five and because i don't know if i they really feel like they want to keep two bigs involved uh, throughout this regular season, just as innings eaters, because that's what they've done for three years. I, that's a great point, and I, I think we all assumed because all the reports are like, "Oh yeah, AD is yeah. going to play the center." Like every we got, yeah. like Athletic from ESPN. That that yeah. was the indication. I think AD himself said during uh, media day, "Like yeah, I'm planning on playing more center this year." But again, it's almost like we can believe it when we see it, and yeah. obviously they wanted to replicate something from that championship season with Jabel. And DJ is kind of like a proxy to that in a way, but yeah, I, I think Fogel had his hand forced here a bit uh, in terms of starting DJ. And if DJ doesn't start, I don't think he plays at all is the thing. Yeah. Like, cause if it's AD at center, you have Dwight coming in after him. I don't see DJ also getting a shift there. No. So it might be just mm-hmm. a case of keeping the locker room intact, maybe uh, different, different factors probably. Okay. Yeah. All right, moving to the next one. Another guy I'm concerned about, Rajon Rondo. Offensively, he, like, Russell Westbrook's going to play enough that you're going to either have to play both of them together, which doesn't really seem to, like, lean. Like, Rondo doesn't provide the kind of value offensively if he's the second point guard in a two-point guard lineup. And then defensively, he hasn't been fantastic. My pitch here is... We need we need some Austin Reeves time. It's it's time for either either LeBron's out there and he can play point guard effectively when Russ isn't out there or Russ is out there for most of the game. So take Rondo away and I want to see some Austin Reeves minutes. I want to see some Avery Bradley minutes. Give me some of those guard guys. They don't need to be point guards. They just need to be two guards that defensively are a, a little bit more competent. What do you think about that, Alex? Completely agree. I, I like they need like secondary guys because those units, those bench units are almost always going to have one of Russ or LeBron, especially LeBron's usually always with that bench unit. So if you already have him, like Rondo becomes a little like overkill, like he's going to be spawning up or he's going to be having the ball and LeBron's going to be spawning up. And if you kind of compound that with Westbrook also being out there, it, you, you need some guys who can play off ball and also kind of make a play if the ball swung their way. Like we saw Austin Reeves in the preseason really do well in that. Like when a, play or set broke down they kind of gave it to Reeves and he kind of ran this secondary pick and roll on the side or something and that's just something I don't know that I think would be really needed like again that Caruso comparison is just going to be obvious all year but I think he does fill like offensive concepts that Caruso did like if he screens for LeBron he rolls into the short roll he can make plays out of that um his shot looked okay like and if anything just size-wise he's bigger than their other guards right now and that can be helpful with with guys like a reason thd out 
Yeah, there's length there, but definitely the strength, you know, needs maybe a little bit more. He's a young guy, so he'll it'll get there soon, definitely. Um I okay, so I was paying close attention to the stars rotation, right? So well, it was AD first quarter, like it's been for the last three years, and you know, LeBron and Russ to start the second. But it was LeBron Russ Rondo, like Dwight Mello, or maybe Mello you know what I mean? And someone else. And you see a lot of the, the age there with a lot of these guys not being able to compete. And it's not just one guy getting beat. It's two guys getting beat or, or letting a guy kind of fly by where as a younger player would be all up at least trying to recover and, and in a position to get a rebound if they, they happen to miss or something. And those opportunities when you have, you know, five guys like 35 or older, it's tough. You know, it becomes, uh, they, they got hurt by this injury bug. So it's really hard for me to say when they don't have Kendrick Nunn, when they don't have THT, when they don't have Trevor Ariza, this team is like very, very concerningly already hurt. I think that's the thing to worry about instead of what the actual stuff on the court looks like, because, you know, we weren't expecting to start Rondo at six minutes in the first quarter, I think, when we put this team together. So I don't think it's too much to worry about. I, I think it's, you know, a, a symptom of another disease. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Next one, and, and I think, I don't know, I, I'm up and down about this. I've been up and down about it all preseason. I'm hopeful, but if it doesn't go the way I want, I think the Lakers are in trouble. The preseason offensive system talk was overblown, and we're back to hero ball, we're back to simple offense, and it's really going to hurt the Lakers. I, I went back and I tallied up how often the Lakers posted up or isolated in that game, that first game. Uh, 44% of the offense was 1v1 that either resulted in something there or they like kicked it out and got something from that. That is crazy high. Uh, they had 19 or I'm sorry, 14 uh, post-ups or isolations in that first quarter alone. They were just posting up left and right after the team talked about not 
wanting to post up as much. I'm worried. The offensive system, it's gone away and the Lakers are in trouble. That's that's the take. Tom, what, what do you say about that? I think that's probably fair. I mean, again, injuries. No, we don't know what these lineups are going to look like when they're fully healthy, which hopefully happens soon, but doesn't look likely. But I mean, you already saw the, the freeze frame, right? With Anthony Davis in the post and three guys on him. He fucking made that shot, uh, which is kind of hilarious. He made that insane shot. And these guys were great against Golden State. And it wasn't enough because of a few bad rotations, I think. To be perfectly fair, uh, the Golden State is a bad matchup for DeAndre Jordan. That third, that, you know, that second half starting shift was terrible. And there was a lot of things that I feel like could have been stopped the bleeding. If this wasn't game one, you know, if you're in a play in, you'll see a lot more things and they'll get there. But I think that it is concerning to see, you know, guys five feet off of three of the Lakers weak side guys. Yeah. Before I get to Alex in, in what I was thinking throughout the game was right now, the Lakers are not good right now. The Warriors also didn't look good. And I don't want, the bar to become like, Hey, just win this game. And, and it really, it should be about getting those wins and making that progress over time. But my assumption when I've been talking about that, like, you know, be patient, progress is going to happen is that we'd see them continue using the smart sets that made Russ look a lot better, made Malik Monk, made Kendrick Nunn, made these guys, you know, elevate their playmaking, elevate the scoring, create better spacing, leverage the non shooters to screen and create more space for the shooters. Poof. It's gone. And if it's gone, even with some of these guys healthier, I don't know. Like it, the, the Lakers probably would have beaten this team. I don't know if they're going to be good enough to to be a top seed in the West. Alex, how does how does how does that make you feel? It doesn't make me feel good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, uh, it's funny because uh, last preseason, like when Marcus Saul was here, we saw like the Lakers running these pin down sets. We saw them doing all this crazy fun stuff. And then mm-hmm. once the season started, it was still there here and there, but it, it quickly kind of dissolved. It kind of went away and it kind of reverted back to kind of Frank Vogel's kind of rudimentary kind of offensive system. But so I, I kind of got a little flashback to that. Um, this first game, I, I do wonder how much of that was just LeBron and AD getting hot really early and them kind of falling in love with that mid-range shot. And to their credit, I mean, they made like every shot they they, need, they really took and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, that that did hurt like Westbrook in particular. And I'm not sure how much of that was the spacing limitations Tom mentioned. I'm not sure if that was because they couldn't get action towards the rim because there's guys there, if DJ was in the dunker spot or whatever it was. But it, it is a little concerning, especially for a guy like Russ. I, I think you have to be more active in terms of getting him involved. And that probably means running more weak side action or doing something with him because Frank Vogel, like there was a quote that I was there for where he said, um, we want him to be as aggressive off ball as he is on ball. But in order to do that, I, I, I think you have to put him in a position to do that. Or if he's making that concerted effort to, to cut or whatever, we didn't really see that. Yeah, that's fair. And, and part of, I mean, if he's out there screening for others, I don't know if I'd categorize that as aggression, but I, I'd say that's, you know, him pressuring the defense in not the same way, but he's pressuring the defense off ball the same, you know, in the same sense that he can pressure the defense on ball. So yeah, this will be an interesting one to track. Cause I think it truly does swing my look on this team by a, a really fair margin. Uh, all right, moving to the next one. I don't think the scoring possession data quite bore this out, but 
the overreaction I'm going to take from this first game is LeBron, you know, he hit pretty much everything. He wasn't getting to the rim well. AD was hitting everything and he looked like bubble AD and he might be the new center for this offense. We're posting up a bunch. This plays well into his hands. I don't think ball screens are going to do a whole lot because defenses are going under. They're sagging off of guys. Is AD the new center of the offense or am I overreacting? Tom, why don't we start with you? Um, you know, I don't, I don't think you're overreacting. It was a lot and it was a lot of pick and roll as well. Uh, a lot of him getting in space and getting a lob opportunity or some kind of put back. It, it was great. Uh, he looked fantastic. Um, he's firing like very quickly on his outside jumpers, which they haven't fallen, but I like the confidence. I like the ability to step into it and say, no, I'm taking the shot right now. Not a hesitation or a little bit of a, a jab step. He's, he's jumping into it and hopefully the results follow because he's got some confidence coming, but it does really look like that. Um, just like seeing Russ, to operate only in kind of this facilitator mode, you know, as delivering Braun the the ball in, in some off ball situations was promising. And that's the kind of stuff where, you know, if LeBron can just catch the ball and make one or two moves or make a decision, it's going to go well for the offense. If he catches a ball with it, like a small advantage, right? He just has to create that advantage. I think him creating it on ball is more difficult than it used to be for him clearly and having Russ in those situations as somebody who can fire a pass in really have good timing with someone. I think that's really, really good. Uh, and, and, but I think still, yeah, AD is probably going to get more than Braun. Like it, it's probably the case. Yeah. I think I agree with Tom. Like, like I, I kind of go back and forth, not even with LeBron, but I wonder if Westbrook himself needs to be the center because if he's not the center of the offense, I do wonder then what his value on the offensive end is really like, he's not a spot up threat. Um, like we did, like we just said, he's not cutting that often. And I'm not really sure the pressure he's going to put on the defense. If he's not the center of the offense, but this, and if he is the center of the offense, that doesn't mean like AD and LeBron are going to get touches. Like I think Westbrook will facilitate for both those guys. So I think realistically AD will be the center and they'll run a lot of action and a lot of the usage will go his way or he's going to be the finisher or he's going to be the initiator of it, like the offense. But I, I, I have concerns what that means if Westbrook isn't the center. Like I, I think he needs to be mm-hmm. more of a focal point than, than not like a third. I don't think he could be just the third option on this team for to work. Yeah. That's the key part of this is it's really easy to have him not do anything I don't know that that's going to lead to success for this team. And I'm. If AD has to play more fives, there's no chance he can carry the five and be everywhere and be the center on offense. So maybe that's for the better pushing that team to where it really needs to be in those, the circumstances. Sorry to interrupt you. Also, just add to that, like, I wonder, is it easier for AD and LeBron to adjust to Westbrook than Westbrook Mm. adjusting to LeBron and AD like I think Mm -hmm. their skill sets will almost fit any player for Westbrook you need guys to like work around him or change their games to fit him like the whole talk was oh Westbrook's gonna change this and that to fit in with those guys I don't know how realistic that is or at least how his skill set kind of presents that like to make it that actually easy or like applicable but where AD LeBron like 
I think they can mold themselves to work around his skill set better. But again, I, I that's we need like another twenty game sample to see how that looks. Mm-hmm. Right. Very logical, well-informed takes from both of you. Uh, apparently, I wasn't overreacting enough because I think you both agreed with just about <laughs> everything I said. Um, let me put, I'll go a step further. This this will be the most overreacting one. And again, these statements may not truly reflect my feelings, but Russell Westbrook on this Lakers team is going to be a disaster and a negative impact player on the defensive end and offensively. Team's not going to, use them smart enough to the point where it's actively frustrating us on a daily basis and it's going to be damning for this team's playoff future. <laughs> Can I just Go say the, the thing that I think encapsulates <laughs> this first that I, we have to consider is, did you guys see that meme of like the, the season and Russ and like the mm. first half is this is the worst basketball player I've ever That's seen. Right. Yeah. And the second half is this is the greatest basketball player I've ever seen with a tiny sliver in the middle. That's just, Oh, <laughs> Like, oh, so I think I think we want to see what he ended up. He ended up with a pretty great season at the end of Washington, getting them into the playoffs after a very difficult covid season. Um, So I just want sorry, I had to jump in and just be like, this is what Russ does. So let's yeah, he's like he he's going to be fine. It'll be fine. But he looks like it looks bad. It looks really bad. The, the thing about the count, the so thing about loud. the meme, though, Tom, is you were creating a like a, a cop out for the next like four months, and that's not that <laughs> can't mean work. It's not true. Uh, uh, Alex, your turn. <laughs> well, I mean, we could we can just think like Tim Legler and say, oh, just bring him off the bench. It'll solve everything. Yeah, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I don't think he's going to be a disaster. But I think it's going to be a big work in progress that probably lasts the entire season, honestly, to, to prep for the playoffs. But yeah, I, I think it's going to take a lot of kind of each star. Like, there, again, there was this great quote where they said that, uh, I think it was during the practice, I forgot where, but they said that each of them have talked about what to do when the other one has the ball. So like if AD has the ball, what are LeBron and Russ supposed to do in those circumstances? And again, the first game, we saw it just stand around, <laughs> you know, like yep. if one of the guys has the ball, let them do that and you'll take your turn later. But I, I think learning each of their own like spots on the floor, when the other one has the ball, what to do, when, when to cut here, when to spot up, when to screen for this guy, that's going to be really important. And I think for Russ, um, for fans, Laker fans, especially, I, he's not going to be the most efficient player. He's probably not even going to be league average really in a lot of things, but I think like his physicality, like, the non box score stuff is going to stick out how he approaches the game, how he kind of puts his fingerprints on the game. I think that was the most disappointing thing about that first game. It wasn't the missed shots or the cramped paint or any of that. It just felt like he wasn't out there. And for Mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook, like even when he's struggling, you know, when he's out there, he's doing something And that game. I think that was like really the most quiet Russell Westbrook performance I've seen in a long time. So if he's not being felt, like even if he's turning it over, struggling, he's at least trying, and the defense has to kind of um, respect him for that, or at least kind of be aware. Oh, that's Westbrook over there driving to the paint. But if they're almost just like he's a non-factor, I think that's where issues can definitely arise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's all preseason, all offseason. It was this guy, you know, he's facilitating, his playmaking. It's going to really help. In order to do that, you need to compromise the defense. Mm-hmm. And if he's struggling to do that one v one. 
that's a huge chunk of his playmaking that won't be there. If he's, if defenses are smarter against him and ball screens are just going under back and forth and he can't get downhill, same thing. So it's, it's going to be a potentially a, a big challenge. So I think that, I don't know. I'm hoping what Tom's talking about is true with, you know, that second half surge coming, but uh, that might mean we're in for some rough ones over these next couple of weeks. So, you know, big picture. So we, I asked seven things and in seven of them, we've benched three players. The <laughs> office has gone to shit in a minimum contract players, our fourth best player, <laughs> big picture. If you had to give me a left con level, uh, don't feel too bad. The Dodgers just, just took the lead. Um, oh, what, okay. <laughs> what what's your big picture left con for me right now, Tom? Um, I mean, I'm again, it's this team is going to be so impossible to judge for a couple months because things are changing every single second of every game. And I, I, I'm a little worried still just cause I came in a little worried about the Russell Westbrook fit in the playoffs and wondering what that could look like. Uh, but I still think, Alex made a great point about them fitting around him. Eventually we might see that uh, if it starts going really badly for a long time. And I don't think that's the worst. And I have no idea how good that team is. It's probably pretty good. Okay. I, I still think that the team's going to be really good, especially yeah. in the regular season. I, I think they're going to rack up a lot of wins. And um, I, I do have like maybe long-term some concerns about the roster as currently constructed. Like I would be surprised if this is the roster that goes into the postseason. I bet there's going to be some buyout guys. I would kind of hope maybe some of those guards are consolidated to a trade for like a wing or a, a bigger forward or something like that. And so I'm sure there's going to be tinkering here and there to make things fit a little better. But um, yeah, I, I think definitely in, during this season, I think they're going to figure some things out at least to like overwhelm other teams and stuff like that. But yeah, some some roster fit concerns, some size concerns. The guards are smaller, I think, than I originally had assumed they were. Um, the defense, there's a lot of times, like, there's two or three guys out there that I'm just not, not comfortable with being out there. Like, shoot, like, I don't think this lineup's going to work type stuff. And I, I really hope, like, this is my biggest hope, is that what we saw in game one, the rotation choices, the combinations, was simply just... Um, due to injuries and it wasn't something Vogel likes or, or has a preference for because if there's one thing about Vogel he likes to stick with rotations for a while like he he wants to give those rotations a chance so hopefully that's to come back and bite them neither of you gave me a left con answer but you gave me really thoughtful <laughs> I'm, like I'm, I'm fuchsia fuchsia oh I'm gonna google fuchsia real quick that's like a purple right <laughs> I don't know how to spell this word. I think I'm like a forest green, just kind of like mellow. Mm. But there's some like clouds in the distance to to be weary about if you're going to go on a hike or something. I think that's where I'm okay. at. That's good. Okay. Completely like balanced views. Yeah. One side optimist, one side slightly pessimist. Yeah, I like those answers. I and I think we're not at this point yet. But if if these concerns continue to manifest, and a month from now we're asking these same questions, we're approaching a scenario where it's like, oh, you know what? The Dodgers are down three one. We've come back from it before. We've beaten the Braves three one before, <laughs> or down down three one before. But it's still not a good situation. And the only way this works is if things change. And 
we need to start seeing some of that progress to give us a sign of, of give us some signs of life, which again, we're not close to that. This is overreacting after one game. We're big victory. I think things will be okay, but uh, you know, we've got a lot to think about and, before we head out of here, before I let you guys go, Tom and I, we did our pod talking bald predictions. Alex, I asked you to come today with your one big bald prediction for us today. Uh, what, do you, what do you have for us? I, my bold prediction, uh, it's one that I really hope comes true. I, I think Austin Reeves becomes a, a consistent part of the rotation. Like for, I, I think injuries probably do play a factor in that for him getting that role, but I think he's just going to, force his hand when he's out there and do too much good stuff for Vogel not to include him every game. I think he's going to be maybe a top eight, nine guy in this rotation wow. by the end of the year. Okay. That would be great. Sure. Dang. I mean, that means they hit a home run with him, but yeah, I, I think his skill set is just something uh, this team doesn't have in other guys. Yeah. He's a lot of the little things that he does that, I know I'm seeing on film, like all of the, just technically and from a tendency standpoint, he's doing everything right. And this is a team that have a lot of guys that tendency wise, they it's, it's almost like you're worried that, that, you know, we get to see bad mellow or we get to see bad rust mm-hmm. or we see AD with bad habits with Reeves. All of his habits are positive and helpful ones. It seems like, at least from what we've seen so far. And over time, when it's just like on a day-to-day basis, it's like, oh, wow, on this film, I just saw Reeves saved three plays in a row or something mm-hmm. like that. Even if it was little stuff that can really aggregate. And yeah, I, I don't know. All the signs are looking good so far. So I, I like that prediction. Last time we had you on this podcast, you were telling us all these great things about THT and, <laughs> and that dude's a there stud and that's working out well. So we've got we've got the prospect whisperer over here, Alex Regla. <laughs> um, I'm Tom, no Mike any- Garcia, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but we're you know we're blessed to have a great community of lots of really brilliant mm-hmm. Lakers personalities. Happy to have you on. We last week had Yovan joining. Next week we've got some more names up ahead, and we're going to continue throughout the season getting getting some uh, Lakers insight from all the brilliant people creating wonderful content. Um, as we're as we're hopping off here, Alex, is there anything you'd like to plug? I know you had an awesome piece out on Reeves that I really enjoyed. Anything else people should either check out or uh, be on the lookout for? Yeah, I mean that was my last thing was was on Austin Reeves, and then uh, probably have something due on Monday. Probably going to wait until tomorrow's game and then the game over the weekend to see if anything pops up to to write about. But yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. Big fan of both of you guys. Thanks, uh, yeah, we're we're really uh, spoiled this Lakers community. There's just a ton of great people doing really cool things right now. So it's a good time to, to be a Laker fan. Amen, brother. Absolutely. Sweet. So thank you both. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up quickly. You guys know the spiel, follow us, you know, follow the pod, follow us on Twitter, um, follow Alex and all of his great work at the various platforms. Uh, you know, if you like the podcast, feel free to rate and review. Um, if you do send us a, a five-star review, we can, get you in that podcast uh, discord server that we have where people are just talking all day long and overreacting, underreacting, showing stats, highlights, memes, discussions, you know, shit talk, all that stuff. Um, so part of that one, our little niche of that bigger, broader Lakers community that makes the season just as, as fun as it is. So that's all for today. Uh, this has been the Lakers exceptionalism podcast. We'll see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.